Well, good morning. Welcome to our service this morning. The announcements are quite lengthy, so I'll get through them as quickly as possible. The Reverend Shaw is on a reading week until Wednesday of this week, returns to duty on Thursday. If the services of a minister are required, if you contact Billy, the elders, or myself. PW Circle of Friends meet tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock in the church. The special guest is Jonathan Amour, a fisherman from Ghana, who will be interviewed by Terry Morrison. Please come along and bring a friend. Men's Fellowship meets on Saturday the 11th at 8 a.m. in Bangor Golf Club. When the guest speaker will be the Reverend, will be Paul Bradley, now Assistant Minister of Grey Abbey and Clocky. If you could please inform Bill Aiken of your intention to be present so that he can inform the caterers. The World Day of Prayer Coffee Morning takes place next Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 in Groomsport Presbyterian Church, and everyone is welcome. And again next Saturday, there will be a special meeting of session and committee in church from 10 a.m. until 12 noon. The car boot sales will be run on the last Saturday of each month from March until October. If you can help on even one of these mornings, please sign up in the sheet in the vestibule. And then congratulations to the Youth Fellowship who made Christmas decorations and raised £140 for Cancer Research UK. And thank you to the congregation for your donations. Those who were present at Life Lounge last Sunday evening or watched it in line will know that Lauren Davison, from whom NI was the guest being interviewed. And the leaflets in the seats this morning are to give you some more information on that charity. So please take them home, read them, and remember the ongoing work in your prayers. Barry's big quiz Friday evening was a big success, and the latest figure I have is that it's raised £1,705 for the bus project in Rwanda. So well done to everyone involved. I think that deserves a round of applause. And again, an update uh, for Morel's 100th birthday party get-together, where we were giving donations towards the RNLI and the Northern Ireland Air Ambulance. The money is still coming in, so we don't have a final figure, but it's now over £600. So again, thanks to everyone for that. And lastly, if you please, the apologies for all the well, a technical problem last week in both the morning and evening services. And a thanks to Chris for putting the bits of the recording back together and then putting them up online later on. I was going to say, hopefully today the problem won't reappear, 
but it already has once. Uh, so we just hope it now keeps going. I think these are all of our announcements. We gather this morning to worship God and to focus our minds on that, we want to read from 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let's bow for a moment in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, in Scripture we find more than words. We find your wisdom, your encouragement, your truth. O living and reigning Lord, help us to seek your truth, to find the encouragement we need when we are low, and the wisdom necessary for living. May it all be based on your word and centered in Jesus. For in this our time of worship, we ask this in his name. Amen. Normally, back in time, tradition, not that Presbyterianism has many traditions, but one tradition was that the first hymn was actually always a psalm. So I'm going to revive that at least for this Sunday, but it's a psalm we all know, it's the 23rd psalm, and to the new tune. So let us stand and praise God in the words together.
Let us join together again in prayer. Let us pray. We come to you, dear God, as though we were peering through a veil of tears, saddened by a world in which we cannot seem to get our priorities aligned with your will for our lives. You created us to be in harmony with you, and yet we have cared more about ourselves than the plight of others. Help us, O Lord, with our problems of vision. Let us perceive that when we see more of it for ourselves, we are not truly focused on our return to new creation in Jesus Christ. Renew our right heart within each of us, O Lord, so that the continual flow of your saving love may bring us to a new resurrection experience, bring us to that moment when we proclaim not our wills, O Lord, but yours be done. Let us walk in such heavenly light that our pathways will never be dark, and we will see all creation, see in it the wonderful reflection of your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let the fresh wind of your Holy Spirit part the veil of sorrow and open us to the light of your Son, in whose name we pray as we join together to say the words that Jesus taught us when we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And then turning to Scripture, to the Psalms, to Psalm 14. And we're reading all of the Psalms. Let us hear the word of God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven and all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. But all these evildoers know nothing. They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Amen and may God bless to each of our hearts this reading from his word.
Boys and girls, maybe you'd come and join me at the front. I didn't put out the soft cushions, I forgot about them, but you can have a seat there, but that do. You going to come on? No? Just two of this one, right. If you can see the screen and if I can get this to work. The answer is no, it's looking for my phone and my phone's looking for my iPad. Oh dear, I'll have to go back a bit and do it manually. I have some people to show you this morning. Hang on, there's probably enough lead length on this. All right. The first is Professor Sam Know-It-All. Uh, it's by... It's obviously a bad wire here somewhere. All right. He's a very clever man, and he actually he teaches in a university, and he actually teaches doctors. He trains them. All right? So that's the first person. The second person is Dr. Sally Fenzik. You love these names, don't you? Um, she's a doctor. And if you're ill, she makes all sorts of decisions, what's best for you, what's the best medicine, where you need to go into the hospital, or whatever. Really helpful person. And the next one is Mrs. Sheila Busy. She's that because she's a teacher. Not only is she busy teaching, but when she gets home, she has her own family, and she cooks the meals, and she cleans the house, and she looks after them all. And the next one is actually her husband, Mr. Stuart Busy. But he's a businessman, and he's always busy running to meetings, signing papers, doing this and planning that, and so on. And the last one of these five of these, Mr. Stephen Cleanham. He's a caretaker in the school, and he does so many different jobs. You want to go back? No? If I ask you this question, which ones are important? We could be in trouble with the answer to that. Let me give you an easy answer. They're all important. If you're ill, the doctor's important. For the doctor, the professor teaching her was important. If um, you're in school and you're wanting to learn, the teacher is important. If you're one of the people employed by Mr. Busy, then he's important. And of course, if there's something spilt or broken or needs cleaned in school, then the caretaker is important. So let me ask you a different question. Which ones are wise? Hmm, that's, that's a more difficult one. You might think, well, most of them, up to a point. But actually, let me show you which ones are wise. Because the doctor and the teacher and the caretaker go to church every week. The professor thinks he's too clever to go to church. He doesn't believe that sort of stuff. And the businessman, Mr. Busy, is just too busy. He doesn't have time to go to church. So who's the wise ones? 
The answer is those three that go to church. The Bible tells us the other two are foolish. And there is actually a story that Jesus told. It's a story about two men building a house. And one man built this house and he thought, oh, it's a lovely place beside the water and so on. I'll build my house here on top of this sandy beach. It's great. And the other man thought, no, that's a silly place to buy it or to build it. I'll build it on top of the, this rock, this solid stone. And so the two of them built their houses and then the storms came and the wind came and the rain came. And can you guess what happened to the man's house who built it on the sand? Yeah, it fell down. Yeah. What about the man who built it on the solid rock? Was he safe? Yeah, his house stayed up, didn't it? And it's why you can't see it in your house. But if you saw it being built underneath your house to make sure it's like on solid rock, they dig out a channel right round for each of the walls and they fill it with concrete so it's solid. And that's why your house hasn't fallen down. Right? And God is reminding us, Jesus told the story, he's reminding us that it's so important to be wise and not be foolish and to build on the proper thing, which is Jesus. Now, we're going to sing a new song to you. The congregation are going to like me today because we've got two new songs in a row. But this one was well, not new to me, but I think it's... Well, the words weren't in the back, so it may or may not. Don't build your house on the sandy land. Do you know this one? Yeah, quite a few of you do. Right, so if we sing that together. Don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. Well, it might look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice, so you'll have to build your house once more. Don't build your house on the sandy land Don't build it too near the shore Well, it might look kind of nice But you'll have to build it twice So you'll have to build your house once more You better build your house upon the rock Make a good foundation on a solid spot Well, the storms may come and go But the peace of God you will know Don't build your We let the boys and girls and so on now leave for Sunday club. Guess what? My watch has now found the phone. 
the wonders of technology. Before we come with our prayers of intercession this morning, I want to introduce it. Um, a number of times here I've mentioned Operation World, um, which you can buy the book or you can look them up online, but it gives you a country to pray for every day of the year. And today's prayer is actually for Europe, the country they're looking at. And some of the information they give is as follows. The heartlands of Protestantism are now some of the most irreligious and secular in the entire continent. They include parts of Germany, Sweden and Denmark, the Low Countries, England, Wales and Scotland, France and the Czech Republic. Many of these areas have had little meaningful exposure to biblical Christianity for several generations. It is a sober indictment that such a great heritage of biblical Christianity has given way to pervasive godlessness. And great swathes of Central and Western Europe are truly post-Christian, where committed Christian remnants are small in number, low in confidence, and marginalised. In these areas, the Church's battle against secularism and social irreverence has been lost. What little faith remains is confined to private belief. These regions are among the most devoid of spiritual life in the world and urgently need to be re-evangelized. Pray for a new wave of mission to post-Christian Europe and for the reawakening and revitalization of the Christian faith. And then they add, it may fall to the vibrant faith of African, Asian and Latin American churches to provide a new spiritual impetus in these regions. So while Christianity came out from Europe to the world, now the world needs to bring it back into Europe. So let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we do indeed begin thinking about Europe. We see it even around us in our own country. Where even 30, 40 years ago, we used to build one new church per year in this land. Now we're closing them at a greater rate. We see that godlessness, that people just living, thinking they're fine in themselves, knowing nothing of God. Lord, help us to reach out in this area and beyond this area, that indeed people would realize that there is a God and that they need to be in that right relationship with him. But we can hardly think of Europe without thinking also of the situation in Ukraine at the moment and all the worries and death and destruction that are taking place there. 
And we pray, Lord, that there would be peace, that there would be a realization of how wrong this has been, and that people would come to their senses. As we think of Europe, we think of Ukraine, we also think of every family on earth that takes it, they take their name from you, O God. We pray, therefore, for all Christian parents, that they may always be aware of their responsibility to give to the lives of their children that extra dimension of faith in Christ, that they may be helped and supported by the church. And for the children of Christian families, that with Christ central to their lives, they may grow up confident, full of hope, merciful, gentle and creative in all their dealings with other people. And as we think of young people today, we think of those who received the AQE results at the weekend. For those who are disappointed, uphold them, O Lord, and help them to realize that this is not the end, that they have still so much to give in this world. For those who are unsure of a future, or worried about the future, what school they will go to, Lord, bring peace, we pray. And for those who did really well, Lord, we pray that they wouldn't get tied up in their own self-importance and realize that even intelligence is a gift from you. We pray too for parents who have seen their children destroyed by violence or hunger, that they may be given some comfort for their deep grief and forgiveness for this world in which such grief is possible. We pray for the families in our own country who are homeless and separated, who live in unhealthy, degrading, brutalizing conditions, that justice may be done and mercy shown before the children of such families find themselves up against the law. Where there has been moral breakdown already, let mercy, deep wisdom, and right understanding restore hope and make anew. Lord, we simply pray, save this world from all that makes it difficult to live in. Save your people, all your people, from the despair that makes them feel that life is not worth living. But save your world and your people in your way. Let us see your way, accept it, and follow it until your name is glorified, that we and all mankind may share the glory with Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. We continue our worship now with your offering. Your offering will now be received.
us pray. All the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so we come this morning, our Father, bringing these gifts from the plenty you have permitted us to use. Take them, bless them, and use them to advance your work in this place and beyond. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is your unsurpassed gift to us and to all mankind. Amen. Turning to Scripture once again, to the New Testament, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, reading verses 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourselves? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Amen. And may God bless to each of us this reading of his word. Following on from that, the words of it, the tune isn't new to you, but the words are new to you, and this fits in with that reading. So we're going to sing him, Bigger Barns Are What I Need. We stand to sing.
I have a visual aid for you this morning, and I'll set it here. I'll come back to that in a moment. Imagine with me that you grow up, you get through school, then in your 20s you get married, move into your first house, start a family, being a church member, you have each of your children baptised. Then in your 30s, you're enjoying your children growing up and you're working hard at home and at your work to provide for them. In your 40s, you've steered them through those difficult teenage years as best as you could. And now in your 50s, you watch them get married. Now you're a grandparent. And in your 60s, you get to retire to take things easy and to enjoy life. Well, that's what we hope. But as you get older, the years fly past much faster than they did when you were younger. And so what seems like a couple of months, you're through the 70s and into your 80s, where you become a great-grandparent, and life is good, albeit with that dodgy knee and that sore hip and that watery eye. But at 89, your health gives way and you're rushed in the hospital. You hardly notice the down and out and the trolley and the corridor beside you before you're wheeled into a room on your own. Your family arrives, sit round the bed for hours, but when they go out for a few moments just to get a cup of coffee, you breathe your last. The church service for your funeral is meaningful and helpful to those who miss you. There is talk of your attendance at church every week, for in 89 years you never missed. There is talk of how you were kind and helpful and blessed others, were generous, and all of that was true. But of course you hear none of that, you're dead. Instead you open your eyes and fall flat on your face, because before you is God sitting on his throne and Jesus sitting beside him. And you cannot stand in front of such holiness. Then you hear God speak, and he only says two words to you, you fool, and off you go to the other place. The down and out that was momentarily beside you in the hospital now arrives. He has nothing to show for his life. Drink, drugs, bust-ups, fights, theft, defeat his habit were all part of his life. God is about to say something when Jesus stands up and says, Father, this is my brother. I've already taken on the punishment he deserves. And the Father smiles and welcomes the down and out into heaven. The difference? One attended church all his life, tried to do the right thing, but even though he heard the gospel preached week by week, he never actually did anything about it. And the other, though he lived badly, he had in the end accepted Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And so in Jesus' parable, after the man announced his plans for 
years of living it up, the wealthy man hears the voice of God address him as you fool. God says to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? In other words, you're not going to live to be an old man. You're not even going to make it through this night. And you can't take it with you either, because all your planning was for the here and none of it for the hereafter. You've been living the life of a fool. A pastor was visiting a 99-year-old woman, the oldest woman in his parish. He said to her, at your age, you really should start thinking about the hereafter. She replied, oh, I do that all day long. Wherever I go, I go into the kitchen, the living room or the bedroom, and I say to myself, no, let me think, what am I hereafter? <laughs> Hands up how many have done that. A few hands, and the other half of the people won't admit it. <laughs> the New Testament writers want us to understand that the question, what about the hereafter, and what I am hereafter, are actually connected together. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says to the disciples, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. Jesus is saying this vital question about the here and now. He is asking us to be serious about the here and now priorities. He is asking us to ask ourselves, what are we here after? But praise God, in searching for that answer to that question, he has not left us on his own. He has told us so much. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. In other words, Jesus says to us, if you want to discover the truth about your here and now life, I'll show you the way. Follow me. I am the way. And he demonstrated again and again in his life by how he lived it and what he said. Here's a few examples. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I have come not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. I do as the Father has commanded me so the world may know that I love the Father. I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then when he said, love one another as I have loved you, Jesus left no doubt about our correct answer to the question, what are we hereafter? To do the Father's will, that's what we're hereafter to express our love for God in and through our love for one another. That's what we're hereafter. To follow Jesus in a lifelong ministry of loving service. That's what we're hereafter. Follow me, he says. 
when we accept Jesus' invitation, when we embrace his formula for life in the here and now, something remarkable takes place. We cease to live the YF life. You're wondering what that means? YF, you fool. We stop living this foolish life and we begin to live the HP life. Now, you might be wondering what I'm doing with a bottle of sauce. It's nothing to do with the Houses of Parliament. Because if you want flavour in your life, if you want spice in your life, this is important. HP. H means human. Um, that's easy enough, because we are all human after all. And the P means plus. Human plus something. Most people this year are just living the human life in a human world. But there's more. There's the plus. And the plus, of course, is God. So don't be living the you full life. Live the HP life. The human life plus that most important extra, which is God himself. It is the plus life that we have when we acknowledge who he is in our lives, when we follow Jesus in the here and now. And when we do so, we have that cast iron guarantee that we will be with him, not only in the here and now, but forever in the hereafter. When we follow Jesus in the here and now, we enter into the experience of eternal life, which in Jesus' own words is to know God, to be in union with God, to share in God's own life, for God is love. When we follow Jesus in the here and now, we experience a peace that the world cannot know, the peace that we are his forever. Short story writer has written a modern-day version of this parable that was our gospel lesson. And it goes like this. A mysterious figure visits a prominent lawyer on New Year's Eve and grants him the choice of one wish for the new year. The lawyer thinks for a while and he says, I wish for a complete set of the London Times for the coming year. And immediately his wish is granted. There before him is a neat stack of 365 future newspapers. He quickly understood the power that he now had in his hands. He began planning how he was going to use it. He would know all the horse race results before the races took part, so every bet he made was guaranteed to be a moneymaker. And he also began making plans on how he would profit from his foreknowledge of the stock exchange. He would know all the prices in advance, know what to buy and what to sell. Whereupon he lifted the next London Times for the 2nd of January from the stack, and he turned to the financial section. The headline on the obituaries caught his eye, prominent lawyer dies suddenly on New Year's Day. 
Then, of course, you know what happened. He read his own name. So he never got to use the rest of any of the newspapers. In today's gospel lesson, God uses the word fool to address the self-centered, short-sighted, wealthy man who planned a long life of ease with no thought for the fact that he was just a mortal. In planning and living out your own individual answer to the question, what am I hereafter? Don't be a fool. Rather, acknowledge your human condition. We are all mortal. We are all going to die. That's 100% certain unless Jesus comes first. Don't be a fool. Acknowledge it and rejoice in the promise of your ultimate fulfillment in the hereafter. So here's a very important question for you this morning. Please take this question really seriously and answer it truthfully in your own mind and heart because it's one of the hardest questions to sit down and deeply consider and then to honestly answer. The question is, this morning, as you sit here, what are you hereafter? And you have to answer that for yourself. Are you here this morning because it clears your conscience? It gives you an idea that God will be pleased and so everything is now okay because you've been to church. The slate is simply wiped clean. If that's the truth for you, thanks for coming. It's good to have you here. But the truth is, unless you are here to personally and collectively worship him, really it's a bit of a waste of time. Are you here simply out of a tradition or for a tradition? Well, the truth is, the tradition will condemn you if you do not come into a living, growing faith in Christ. Are you here for a chat or the cup of tea afterwards to be with friends who you may not see from week to week? Well, that is a blessing, but it's totally missing the point of church. And as in these other examples, you are still lost. But if you're here to learn more of the one who loves you, loves you more than anyone on earth could possibly love you, if you're here to worship him, if you're here because the realization is that he has given you, given his life for you, if that's so central to your whole being that you cannot possibly stay away, if you're here with your eyes on the hereafter, then what you're here after is already true for you, for you have already been blessed this morning. May the living God continue to bless you because with his life, the HP life, there is flavor compared to the deadness of ordinary life. Let him bless you and ultimately in the hereafter 
That will become true for you when you are with him forever. But please, don't miss answering that question honestly, truthfully for yourself today. It is of eternal consequence. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, for anyone who hasn't really come into a deep relationship with you, we pray this day. We pray for a realization in mind and heart of their need of you. And for those who have and maybe been in a relationship with you for years, Lord, we pray very simply that that relationship would in one sense be renewed in a sense of that vitality, that real desire to know more of you, to be even closer to you, so that each and every one of us here and watching at home may indeed know your blessing on each of our lives this day. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Our closing praise is in Christ alone.
whatever you do, don't tell Mark he got it early. <laughs> Let's pray. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen.